Welcome to The Land of Aru, a fan cast of Carcerum the Series, presented by the American Council for the Blind, Sunday edition with Anthony, and supported by Shane Salk Productions. And welcome, welcome, welcome to In the Land of Aru, a Carcerum fan cast. As you just heard, presented by Shane Salk Productions and Sunday edition with me, Anthony, Anthony Corona. I'm very glad to be here. Shane, welcome back. We missed you last week. Thank you so much. I was sad to have missed last week, but uh, we were at the Ambi Awards for Carcerum. We got a, a nominator for Best Music. Uh, we did not win, but we did uh, win Best Looking from my mother. All right. You know what? We'll take that. Um, so <laughs> I got five separate emails, one by our Katie, who seems to be listening every week. I, I have to wonder if that's Katie Frederick, but I don't know for sure. But um, we got five separate emails wishing that um, you and Dave walked away with uh, a statue, a trophy, a prize, a check. Um, so sorry to hear that you guys didn't take it. But you want to tell us a little bit about what the experience was like? Absolutely. It was it was a fantastic night. I, I'm always so happy when Dave gets recognized. Uh, he, he deserves all the recognition in the world. Um, the you know, the way the, the voting works, the way the voting works and, and it doesn't awards to me are like you know a candle on a birthday cake uh they're very pretty but it doesn't mean that that the show is bad is worse than anything else it's just something to blow out and eat the cake this metaphor got away from me i apologize no that's okay but you know what you know i hear this often um you know in my previous career um soap operas and and various television shows you know it's an honor just to be nominated. And I always, back in, you know, back in the early days, I always thought to myself, yeah, 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 yeah. You'd cut the throat to get, to get that award. But as I, as you know, as I spent a lot of time in the business, I realized, oh my God, it really is an honor just to be nominated. When you think of the pool that they pull from, from all of, you know, I mean, dig the digital world has exploded. So, you know, Absolutely. just to be nominated is, is an absolute honor. So, I am so um, proud and pleased that you guys are here with us. Um, one more quick question. Uh, Dave, real quick, if you want to go back and listen, Dave Volpe, who did the music, was on our third episode. So if you want to go back and listen to In the Land of Aru, episode number three, we had a great conversation with him. So I have one fan question for you tonight, Shane. And <laughs> and it comes based on the conversation that we had last week when you weren't here but um in those fights in the booth between you and bill was there ever a point where you thought the vision that you had in your head nobody else would get it and be able to to make it into the production that it is today uh, when you say that, do you mean the audience or uh, like technical wise? Um, like from, you know, the, from the production side of things. I, this question comes from a listener, so I, I'm not oh, sure okay. what they're, but you guys were talking well, about you know, how often. Yeah, cool. Well, um, I will 100,000% say that the product that we ended up with was even far superior than what I had in my head to begin with. Um, 
we pushed ourselves in directions that I didn't think were possible. And some of that was Bill saying, well, I want this visual. And I'm like, how the heck am I supposed to design? So at the very beginning, we would have fights because I wanted, you know, the camera, so to speak, to follow one character. And he's like, no, we should cut around to do these things. And I was I would be like, well, I don't I don't know how. Why would we blah, blah, blah. And as we went on, we would actually have the opposite fights. We would sometimes switch where it would be like, um, well, I think we can pull this very fancy, weird thing off. And it would be like, no, I don't think we can. And I'm like, no, we can do it. And then we'd fight about, you know, how long do we work on something before we just decide to do something else? Um, but I never felt, and one of the reasons we would fight in general, uh, because Bill and I had, I mean, there were times when we were fighting about what the layout of the room was and how close one chair was to the front door. And they're not really fights. They're just like miscommunications about like, well, no, this is far over there and over there. So we're, we're, we're working it out. Um, but every single argument or every single loud discussion or even quiet discussion that we had was all for the benefit of the show which was always so nice to fall back on. This was never arguments based on ego, based on, well, I want my idea over your idea. Um, it was always about what is the audience going to see in their mind's eye uh, or hear or experience and how can we put that out the best possible way? Um, so sometimes you you were pushing for Sometimes I was pushing for another try to make something really fancy happen. Uh, in episode four, I think when we first meet the Terra and there's a, a big Lucis Naturae fight, we actually have this effect where we're in the trees with the Terra and they shoot these bows and arrows. And we, we're basically with the bow and arrow until we hit the Lucis Naturae. And we went back and forth, whether it was going to work, whether it wasn't going to work, whether people would understand it. And we worked it and worked it and worked it. And we would fight about whether it's going to work or not. Um, I, I never had, once we put something out, I never really had a doubt in my mind whether people would go with it or not. And I mean, that is not everybody's going to see everything that I see. And that's not their job it's to see whatever they 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 feel in their soul in the moment um but it's always terrifying it's always i wonder if people are going to get what we're trying to do but my first and foremost thought is i'm very proud of the work we've done so whether people like it or don't i can stand behind this and say well this is this is the this is what we wanted to put out so i could always fall back on that so we're 11 episodes in, and I asked you this very early on in our conversations, but in the 11 episodes that we've heard so far, have there been any moments where, you know, you had it in your head, it was, for lack of a better way of putting it, scripted out the way you best thought to achieve what you were looking for. Are there any moments that like blew you away that once you got the finished product, you were like wow, that's a thousand times better than I could have ever imagined it. Um, yeah. Um, the funny enough. So the one the yeah, we, we actually heard 12 episodes last week. You heard 12 that episode that you heard with the horse. Um, right. That's what you heard last week with Will Zoo and the horse. 
Um, yes. That was uh that when we came up with the concept of that, I thought it was gonna be so interesting and uh, I was very excited. And then it came down to the acting of it and the sound design of it, and it was the most exhausting episode that I ever did and emotionally draining. But when we got the final product back from Tim and the mixer, it was to me, it was one of those things where it was like this was completely worth the the pain of 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 making it. Um, and honestly, some of the the stuff that i I get really excited about are the little tiny moments. Um, I remember working really, really hard on the hug in episode like two, Aura and her father share a hug. And I worked far harder on that hug. And I would have people, I would send it to people and go, you tell me what's happening in this moment. Um, and it's, it's the little tiny details of that kind of thing that I get really, really excited about when someone can tell, oh, they're tapping on a table. Oh, they're hugging each other without saying anything, without having any without some kind of direction. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the moments that I, I get uh, really excited about. And there's definitely actors that have come in the, um, uh, some of your favorites, the the uh, in in the the gatekeeper and Babs, uh, I didn't really have in yeah. my head what they were going to sound like, and they come in and they do that, and we direct them, and, and we add all the sound design, and that's the kind of stuff I'm like, oh, this is going to cut real well. This is going to be really fun and really good. Um, the the flashback when we first see Istin Elizabeth's telling that story, that scene uh, is also really really fun. Um, because we didn't have ideas that was so for these well characters. done. That was yeah. the first time. It was like we really had zero idea of who these characters are. It's sort of written as a throwaway scene of just getting information out, but it's a full-fledged scene with backstory and characters, and it's all the actors just bringing it really hard. So we got a bunch of feedback. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I don't remember the name, but the uh, I'm calling them the fairy bugs. Um, the wisps. The Wisp, thank you. We got a couple of emails about the Wisp. So without giving any spoilers away, will we ever see or encounter the Wisps again? <laughs> uh, without giving any spoilers away, uh, we very well might. <laughs> All right. And I lied. Actually, there was another question. I just stumbled upon it while I was trying to read that first question. Um, Allison wants to know, you play a bunch of different roles in this production. So was it hard for you to only wear your voice acting hat when you were recording for Kevin? It was less difficult than it would have been if I haven't, hadn't been doing this for a while, but it was more difficult than I was expecting. Um, and I mean that in just in terms of if I'm just acting, I come in and I'm I'm rested and I'm ready to go and I've made my choices and everything. So coming into almost every session, I was probably tired. I was you know I set up the microphones, and the good thing is that I knew the script so well, and I knew what all the other actors had done, and I had ideas of sounds in my head of how the whole soundscape was going to go. Um, the harder thing is it was harder to let some of those things go if Bill had another idea. Um, but 
so it it was hard it was hard just in terms of of i i was able to go okay you're not the director now you're not the producer you're just gonna act but you st i still have these vast pictures in my head that sometimes are harder to let go of so it it just took a little bit more work sometimes um but it was a lot of fun still and awesome so catch us up to where we left off and then we'll go into tonight's episode okay so last week we we learned where what happened to kevin and karis after spirit bolted because of the wisp um and so they're running out uh, spirit keeps going karis his horse breaks a leg and then Karis gets knocked unconscious. And then there's a horrible fight where, uh, with the horse. And then we meet Wilzu, who's this little gnome and lays some, lays some wisdom on some people. And then uh, at the very end, I think, uh, uh, aura wakes up and, uh, and wait, what happens? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and right before that it was, Aura and Istin had woken up from their sleep and nobody's there and spirit runs up and she's like, where's Kevin? I think that's how that that's where everybody is. As far as we know. Yes. All right, Jeff, thank you so much. Please run the episode for us. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description. Well, you are listening to in the land of Aru, a Carcerum fan cast. And I am Anthony Corona, host of Sunday Edition and In the Land Of. I am joined, of course, by Shane Salk, who is one of the masterminds behind this incredibly, incredibly awesome audio immersive series. So, Shane, <laughs> our question from earlier about the Wisps, how, you know, <laughs> how apropos for tonight's episode, huh? I, I, I didn't give away any spoilers, did I? Nope, not a single one. So I have to say, um, I, I that very last moment, the teaser for next week's, makes me incredibly, incredibly happy. Um, I am the current secretary of Blind Pride International, which is the LG, LGBTQ affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. So just hearing representation of a female-female couple and them having a son makes me very, very happy and even more enmeshed in the world of Aru. So thank you for that. I can't wait for next week's episode. Um, can, can you give me the correct pronunciation for Carl's last name? Because I know voiceover and I know it can't possibly be reading it right. <laughs> Carl Serfalio. And if I Surf said that wrong, Carl will tell me. <laughs> but Carl Serfalio. Okay. Well, go ahead, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to In the Land of Aru. Um, the voiceover, which is a screen reader, we're all blind and low vision here in this community, is reading it out as Surfalia. So I was like, all right, sir, follow you? No, that can't possibly be it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, you know, what a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we typically start off with, you know, where you're from and, you know, what your childhood was like and what led you towards the performing arts. So do you want to give us your backstory? Sure. I, uh, I grew up in West Covina, California. Um, 
a blue collar family. My dad was uh, an iron worker and my mom was a mom. And, you know, I grew up in the fifties and sixties and life was easy in the places where you left your door unlocked. Um, I, uh, uh, regular kind of a school kid went to, uh, Edgewood high school in West Covina and, um, excelled in athletics. And that was, uh, a, a big thing for me. It was a great identity, uh, for me to have, um, went to, uh, college for a short time on a wrestling scholarship. And, uh, when I was in college, I met a, uh, a teammate who all he'd do is talk about being a stuntman and it sounded exciting. So um, I kind of followed him. We, we got a job at Knott's Berry Farm doing live Western stunt shows. And from there, I went to Universal Studios and did uh, the Western show that was up there for a few years and started to learn my craft as a stuntman and an actor. Um, started knocking on doors. Mm hustling around and, and getting my name out there and, and uh, eventually started working on some television shows and some movies as a, as a stuntman and an actor. And, and um, I always studied for years and years. I always studied my acting and practiced my stunts and learned as much as I could. And, and uh, you know, it got me through 40 some years of uh, activity. And, and uh, so my, um, I guess my interest in performing came from, you know, I traced all the way back to the wrestling mat. I, uh, I liked being there one-on-one -on -one and being able to come out on top. Uh, and um, it was, um, it's my stepping stone to being on stage. Uh, I've done a few plays uh, and, and the opportunity to, to uh, work on Car Serum was um, a huge jump for me. And uh, and uh, quite a challenge that I was uh, I was happy to do the best I could with. Well, you've done a pretty good job from what we've heard so far. Um, I, I want to um, I want to take a, a, a an email question that came in once I put your bio out there for for the promo for tonight's episode. <clears throat> uh, we got two different emails asking the same question, and it was. You've worked as a bot as a stunt person for Lou Ferrigno. Would that happen to have been for the Hulk? No, um, Louis's uh, stunt double on the Hulk was a gentleman named Manny Perry. I uh, I doubled Lou um, on um, a series he had for a while called Trauma Center, and then we did two or three movies together where I doubled him, and um, we're still friends. Uh, and uh, he's gone off to be the star that he is. And uh, uh, it, was, uh, it was a great experience and he was really a wonderful, uh, wonderful man to work with. So tell, tell us a little bit, I, I, for me, I, I worked for the Associated Press for a little over 10 and a half years. This is my very first time interviewing someone who was a stuntman. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about the business. How, how do you get into it? And what types of things do you have to prepare for when, when you're going into to body double? Well, um, gosh, what an open question that is. You know, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not just about doubling an actor. When you, when you do double an actor though, you try to take on the characteristics, the way they move, the way they run, if they're left-handed or right-handed, um, their, their physical attitude, you try to copy that. Um, 
to get into the industry, it's, um, you know, like everything else, there's a good amount of nepotism going on. And for those of us who mm, didn't have that, it's, um, for me, it was a, a lot of knocking on doors and shaking hands and introducing myself to people and um, I, having one or two stunt coordinators trust me in a couple of spots that the word got out. You know, I'm, I'm uh, physically, you know, I'm bigger than, than a lot of people, um, you know, and I've got this, this look of being, uh, you know, I could be a good mafia guy. And so that kind of worked in my, uh, in my, in my favor. Um, the things we train at though are, you know, basics are, are fights and falls, uh, uh, high falls and fire, motorcycles and cars. Uh, it's, um, it's a whole gamut of work and, and you want to be able to, you want to be able to be as proficient as possible in, in a majority of them, though you also need to know your limits of what you can and cannot do or should not do. And, uh, and, and those are things hopefully you learn along the way and you've got uh, good mentors. And I had wonderful mentors uh, through my younger part of my career. And I've tried to pay that forward to younger people coming into the industry. Um, I think uh, almost everybody deserves an opportunity and uh, you want to find out who they are and what they are uh, to be able to try to give them that opportunity. Um, and also as a stunt person, you, you don't only, you're not only doubling an actor, you're, you're, you know, you're playing a part, you're playing a role, you're, you're a, you know, a, a guy in the barroom fight, or uh, you're fortunate enough to get cast as a, a as a character. And um, I think that's one of the reasons I studied acting for so long was that I, I like the acting chops. I, um, I, uh, I, I got to play, um, I got to play a lot of uh, second bad guys. You know, I was a co-star and guest stars, and and um, it, uh, it it worked for me. And and so I don't know if there's a magic way of getting into the industry, but if you can bring in a specialty, if you're an athlete, um, if uh, if you can do something that um, needs to be done, you find the right person to give you the opportunity. Is is uh, is your foot in, and then it's all uphill from there. So one of my early experiences <clears throat> in journalism, excuse me, I got to go behind the scenes on the set of Scream 3. And um, I remember being fascinated by how they created the world, how they created some of the effects. Um, for instance, some of the stabbing scenes were either um, being stabbed into chicken or, or a watermelon. Um, you know, to produce that sound, to produce that effect. So what are some of the amazing effects that you've been involved in that, that you, you could share with us? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking that um, explosions are, are as dangerous as they can be. But, um, you know, if they're done right, they're, they're as safe as can be as well. Uh, cannon explosions, uh, torpedo explosions, things like that. Uh, I also involved in, um, you know, you think about, uh, oh, I did a movie called um, The Hunt for Red October. And uh, oh. we were, um, we were played Russian sailors on the submarine that's, that's sinking. And the ability to take 
the submarine they bought, they, they made and, and sink it and then raise it back up. You know, those are, those are all special effects that, that um, you know, are at times life-threatening, but, but again, as safe as you can make it. Um, squibs, the, the things that, uh, that look like gunshots that explode from your chest or your back. Uh, yeah. Those are, um, you know, wonderful when they, when they go off correctly. And, and uh, you know, uh, it, it's, um, gosh, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a gamut of things that, that uh, make movies. Much like, um, oh, you know, creating a world just like Bill and Shane did with, with Carcerum. You know, you create the world and then you, and then you work around it. Uh, I, I did, um, I did a movie for Roger Corman called the fantastic four way back in the nineties. And, uh, there was no money there. So the effects that they used were, you know, sparks and lights and, and, uh, things they used to do like in the old days, but it still came off. All right. So it's, it's all about, it's all about budget and, and, technicalities that that make those things work so i, I want to veer off the path for a second based upon you know stuff that's been in the news recently have you have you worked as a stuntman with live live ammunition and guns on a set never live ammunition i, I worked with i've worked with weapons majority of my career and uh i've never seen uh i've never seen a, a live round on the set and also I've been very fortunate for the uh, the people that I've worked with, the the, the armorers, um, about checking and rechecking guns and and learning how to check on my own. You know, you you're you're most responsible for yourself, and and um, you know my my game was always you know if if I used a gun fifty times. And the armor walked up and asked me if I ever used it before. I always say, no, show me how to do it. You know, I, I didn't want to leave any anything unturned. I saw something based that, you know, and, and obviously I'm asking these questions based upon the Alec Baldwin um, rust situation. And, and I saw some comments and one comment that really stood out to me was, why didn't he just raise the gun up in the air? And, and shoot it off to make sure. What are, what are some of the protocols that are in place to make sure that what's being handed to an actor is safe for a movie? Well, uh, loaded question here. You know, it, it starts with the armor and, and that armor should hand that weapon to the actor and then go through the safety uh, uh, the safety steps of that gun, uh, and and um, for instance, I would uh, I would given a revolver, I would uh, point it at at the ground and 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 pull the trigger six times, just to make sure everything was as dead as can be. Um, no. You know, when a hun when when a gun gets handed from one to another to another, and that protocol is not taken, things can happen, and um, you know, there's. I'm not pointing a finger at anyone, but um, I think there was a mm, there was multiple errors there. Hey, Carl, out of curiosity, who puts in the blanks if they're using blank rounds to the make armor. the smoke in the? Okay, the so armor. if you're handed if you're handed a a weapon that you're like, well, this has blanks in it, uh, would you 
practice firing it if you knew there was something in it? Oh, uh, uh, even blanks. I, for instance, it's a, a revolver. You know, you've got you've got six pulls on the trigger. I would do that. Um, if it was an automatic, I uh, I would I would ask them to um, uh, dump the, the uh, cartridge and let me take a look at it and uh, and and open the slide. Um, same with the. Uh, and then you would look to see if they were blanks in it. Correct. Got it. Correct. Um, you know, but and but, you know, here's the thing: is that, you know, you you trust people on the set to do their job. You you trust the grip, totally. you trust the camera, and you trust the armor, and you and you trust that it's done. And um, you know, as an actor, you know that there's twenty things coming at you at once. Oh, and, absolutely. And um, sometimes. Sometimes you only get to answer nineteen of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would. I would have thought that if if the armor handed me a gun and said it's safe, I would think it's safe. But I've I've never been trained on a set like that at all ever. You know, uh, since day one, I, I've been handed weapons, and and um, I, I just, uh, you know, you just don't want to be that guy. Well, and. You say all these safety things, but I've seen your reel. You've gotten hit with cars. I mean, it's, yeah. it was on purpose, <laughs> but I don't know how you're like, well, you can only do so much if you're getting hit with a car. Well, right. Yeah. You, know, um, <laughs> you kind of sometimes you hold your breath and hope for the best. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a, you know, there's a bit of a technique depending on how you want to go over the car. If you want to get spit off the hood or go over the top, um, the uh, the one big car hit that I did that talking about my reel is, you know that that one a little awry, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, you know sometimes stunts, it's why you're there. You know you're you're um, you're there to make to make the spectacle look like a spectacle, uh, and and uh, you know you do the best you can and and hopefully something like that you don't have a take two. So you, you know, it's 110% going into it. Uh, yeah. And if it goes I, wrong, hopefully the professional knows how to dismount it better than somebody else. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, and I, and I think that comes with the, you know, as a stunt person, you, you're able to sit back and observe uh, a lot of times and you see how people work and how the, how the assistant directors treat their actors and what you expect and, and, um, you know, maybe the little things that you see that might go wrong, and uh, you know, your your um, your your career, your life, and sometimes the life of others depend on it for you to keep that cool head. Yeah, you know, I do a fair amount of research for whatever show I'm doing, and I I watched a couple of interviews with different stuntmen to prepare for tonight, and the guy who stunted for Tom Cruise on some of the Mission Impossible. Um, you know, and, and Tom obviously is someone who tries to do as many of his own stunts as he possibly can. I don't know how smart that is, but, um, they were talking about, you know, if, if an actor is ready and willing and able to do their stunts, why do they still use stuntman, stuntmen? And he was giving an answer, something to the effect of, you know, because we're trained. And we never know, no matter how much we plan, basically, we never know something can go wrong and, and we're much more 
adept and trained to handle what might go wrong. Whereas an actor, the million dollar commodity, commodity may not have those skills and, and things can go horribly wrong. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to know, you know, how often do things actually go wrong and what do you do when, you know, when it's not going according to plan? Well, that's a great question. That was actually the answer that you got from the other gentleman was, you know, is correct. Um, when, when things go wrong, you, you hopefully have a, either a plan B or a place to bail out. Uh, and, and, you know, you're not always afforded those places. Um, as far as actors doing their own, their own action and their own stunts, you know, it's, you want an actor, you want an actor to do as much as possible and still being safe. Uh, but, you know, look at, you know, back to Tom Cruise, we smashed his ankle trying to do a jump. And, and uh, you know, though he is extremely athletic and, and extremely capable, if that was a stunt man who got broken up they take him to the hospital and they bring in another double. And, yeah. and so that's, you know, we're, we're definitely a, a, a replaceable commodity, though, though it's, you know, something you don't really want to think about. Uh, you know, uh, there's actors out there who are, oh, so capable, you know, Harrison Ford and, and, and Tom and, and uh, you know. Liam Neeson. And Liam, I'm sorry, you're right. And Liam, uh, but then again, why would you put that twenty million dollar man in a spot? Everybody's yeah. out of work if something happens to them. Only one person's out of work if something happens to the stunt man. That's right. You know, you don't want to shut down production, and and so. Um, so how do you explain Jackie Chan? <laughs> Good know, question. I don't know if you can. And <laughs> fair. Here's here's the thing, though, is that. You know, uh, he he does use doubles in a couple of situations, but he is has been, especially in his younger life, so inept to doing the things that he does and, and the things he comes up with. Um, that that even the even the parts where he's doubled, he's probably done those things anyway. Uh, so yeah, he's quite an anomaly. You know, as as is as is Tom Cruise and and. And I've worked with Tom a few times, and, and he's a pleasure to work with. He's a probably the didn't hardest. You get, didn't you get your butt kicked by Tom Cruise? Actually, the other way around. I, ah, I, that I, I was what that. it was. I won that fight, and when I got to talk to him a few few years later, I said to him, uh, I "said Tom, you know that that fight on Far and Away?" I said, "That's it's the only fight I've won in thirty years," and he said, "Well, you know, it's the only one I've lost." So. <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah, but, you know, there's actors out there that work as hard as they can. But, you know, in, in today's world, between the way cameras can work and, and, and directors can shoot, there's really no reason to put in, put in an actor and actress in a, in a position that might be any more dangerous than they need to be in. Were there ever any situations where, you know, they said, this is what we're looking for, and, and you said, no, no, it's just not going to happen? Wow. Um, you know, a couple that I should have, I think. <laughs> I was going to say. You know, the thing is that, is that uh, as a, when you're working for a good, a good stunt coordinator, those questions usually don't come up. That's always handled by 
him or her as a stunt coordinator. Um, as far as, as, as a stunt coordinator, when I coordinate, I try to make all those things go away at production meetings, you know, um, you know, cause writers can write things like, uh, and he runs up the wall and on the ceiling and you go, well, okay, this is what it's going to take to do that. And then they see the budget and then they cut it out, you know? So if you, if you learn that, if you learn the jargon and you learn how to, how to play with production a little bit, um, it always comes down to the money. And, and so, um, and, and which actually is a, is a safety issue as well. And, and so, um, though I've never really walked away from, from anything, uh, we have tweaked a couple of things here and there to, uh, to make them work, you know, for camera, because you're, I mean, you're part of a team, you're, you're there to, to give production what you signed on for. So I know there's probably a lot that you can't talk about, but of the, the projects that you can talk about, what are you most proud of? What can our listeners go experience that you've done that, you know, you think is really, really good stunt work? Oh, wow. Well, um, gosh. Um. <laughs> if it's good stunt work, you're not even going to notice it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, there's, there's such great action in so many pictures these days, you know, and, and uh, I, I worked on a movie called Against All Odds with Jeff Bridges and Rachel Ward. And um, I doubled uh, Alex Karras, back to Karras. And uh, he, uh, in the movie, his character gets killed and they, they roll him off of a 65 foot cliff into a cenote into water. And, um, and that, was a, that was a big gag for me. You know, it, it kind of knocked me silly a little while. Um, I, and it's such a great movie to watch. There's a great car chase in it. Um, you know, uh, as far as st stunts go and the things that I've done, uh, if, if you look at my IMDB, you'll, you'll pick things out like, uh, uh, like Far and Away. You know, it was, it was a really great fight to do with Tom. And, uh, you know, if, if you go to uh, Taken 3, uh, I'm in the, uh, the big car chase that's happening on the freeway. Uh, you, you know, you, you sometimes work for a day or two, sometimes you work for a month or so. And, and so to pinpoint two or three things is, is very tough to, to be able to say that. But, um, you know, I, I've had fun he, the whole time. I was going to say he has a book. Uh, yeah. You, you, tell us about the book, Carl, because that's a place that people can go for a lot of info. Sure. Uh, it's, uh, you can find it on Amazon and it's called Star Stunts and Stories a Hollywood stuntman's fall to fame. And um, I, uh, I was uh, recouping from an injury and uh, at home and my buddies would come over and we'd swap stories. And my wife said to me, you know, it, you need to write this stuff down. So um, I had about a year or so off and I started writing and um, I figured we'd put it into a book and share some of that. And, and it's not, I mean, it, it's, it's stories from my point of view, but it's also a, a good bit of history for 30 or so years of, of the industry that um, talks more about the industry and, and the things that we do and the things that we use and, and, and how to get there and how to use them. And um, it's, a, it's a fun book and it's an easy read and, 
you know, you can pick it up and read a chapter at a time, no matter what part of the book you're in. And um, it's got some fun pictures in it, uh, some actors that I've doubled, some work that I've done, and, uh, and it'll explain a little bit about how the industry works. So I have, a, tell us the title of the book again so folks can go check it out if they'd like. Sure, it's called Stars, Stunts, and Stories, A Hollywood Stuntman's Fall to Fame. And um, you can find it on Amazon. And, uh, you know, if you look me up, you'll find the book. So I've got a two-part question for you. But before I give that, I want to alert Joey that after this question, we will start looking for hands. If you're out there listening and you have some questions, actually, I have two questions. But anyway, um, if you have some questions for Shane or for Carl, please use the Sunday edition link. It's a generic link, anything Sunday edition. And join us and raise your hand. Joey will tell everybody how to raise hands in a few minutes. So I, I lied. I have two questions. Um, the first is a two-part. Um, has your wife ever said, okay, you know, enough. Like, you need a three-month break. You keep coming home bruised and fractured ribs and sprained wrists. Like, enough. I, we need, like, three months off. And were you ever in a situation where the stunt was going wrong and you were like, oh, crap, and Tell us a little bit how you came out of that. Mm, um, well, to answer your first question, my Terry is so extremely supportive. My whole family is. And um, if you're around long enough, you know how the industry works. You very tough to take three months off and jump back in because it's pretty much out of sight, out of mind. Um, yeah. You know, uh, being an independent contractor, as we are, you know, I was able to say no to a couple of jobs and, and, uh, but as opposed to taking myself out. And, and so, um, yeah, consequently, that's, you know, back to your first question about, uh, I hardly ever said no. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, and what, what was the second question, my friend? Were you ever in a stunt that was just going really wrong and you were like, how the hell heck am I ever going to get out of this? Wow. Um, uh, no, I, you know what? I, I well, <laughs> um, the falling against all odds, when I started rolling off the cliff, I was just like, what the hell am I doing? Uh, you know, but um, no, I've never been, I've never been in a situation that's, uh, that was, that was going that wrong. I, um, I did, um, I did do a, I did do a, 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 a scene doubling uh, Ferrigno back on Trauma Center, uh, where he he, was, he played a, a he played a, a, an EMT, and uh, the scene was a, a an iron worker uh, was was hit with a piece of iron and and it sliced his arm off, and he was at the edge of the building. So I had to walk across a beam, put him on my back, and then walk back across the beam. And um, that was probably one of the scariest things I've done, not just because I was 11 floors up, but because I had a, I had a man on my back. And, yeah. and if, if it went wrong, it went wrong for not just me, but for him. And, uh, and so those are the situations that you really have to focus in and, and, and zero in on, on who you are and what you're doing. And, and have that confidence to do it. 
Well, this conversation has been fascinating. So I almost forgot to bring in Carcerum itself. Um, tell us, tell us about when when you were first approached with Carcerum. What were your initial thoughts? Did you have any idea that it would turn out the way it's, it turned out? And just walk us through when you know when you first were in, inducted into the Carcerum world. Um, you know, I hadn't done a lot of voiceover work, a, a little bit, but very, very little. And, and so uh, when Bill and Shane contacted me, I was uh, honored and excited, but, um, you know, and then Bill started rattling off all these voice actors that were going to be there. And I was completely intimidated because this is what they do, you know, and, you yeah. know, I fall down. And so, you know, there was a difference there. Um, but the opportunity to take all those acting classes that I took for all those years and be able to play a character that has an arc to it was, um, was calling to me. And, and um, Bill and I had worked together before on a, on a movie that, uh, that he uh, produced and directed. Um, and and uh, I thought if he's directing and, and Shane's there, that I could at least step up to what they wanted me to be. And, um, and without them, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to um, pull it off. And, and, and I think uh, learning more about Car Serum as I, as I read the scripts and I, as, I, as I learned about the actors and, and um, I'm, I was always enamored with the world that they created and, and uh, their ability to put together uh, this story that, that uh, is just, um, like you want to hear the next episode right away, and and so um, I was honored and and to be able to go in and 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 play a part that was um, a little uncomfortable for me, and and be able to to come through because believe me, if you're not doing it right, they'll let you know, and and, <laughs> and but that's okay. I mean that's what that's what great directors do, you know. Um, Scorsese, I, I, when I was doing um, uh, uh, the movie Casino, uh, the first scene that I did, he came up to me and he told me exactly what I was doing wrong and why. And, and that's, what, that's what you want a director to be able to do because as an actor, you want that yeah. direction. And, and um, so it, it's, um, it's, uh, it, it was, a wonder, again, a wonderful honor to be able to be a part of this. So when, when you got the scripts, you know, what, how did you envision, you know, your role here? And then did you, did you come up with any kind of backstory for it? Like, how did you become the character itself? Um, wow, that's quite an acting question right there. You know, um, uh, Bill and Shane gave me a little bit of background on what they thought this guy was. And, and we played around with it a little bit, uh, as I remember of, of him being um, not so slow that he sounded uh, uh, like, like a derelict and, and not so much of a grunt that he couldn't speak. And so, um, you know, again, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not foreign to acting or, or the ability to pull a character out. And so um, you'll see as, as the series goes on, that that Karis gets to interact with more uh, more of the actors and develops more character and becomes a little more um, 
oh, a little more human than the ogre that he is. And uh, I think that um, that with their direction, it it gave it gave Karis a very uh, human face. Nice. I look forward to to listening to that. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna open it up to our listeners. All right, Shane. Do we have any hands yet? We do actually. We have right. a phone number ending in five nine seven. Hi, Kalandra. Welcome back. How are you? Thank you. Pretty good. Um, I actually enjoyed the um, scene. It was wonderful. Um, I have a question for uh, Carl, um, if that is his name. Um, (laughs) Where did you ever go to school? And if you did, what was your favorite subject? Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, thank you for that. I, um, uh, as far as going to school goes, I, I uh, after high school, I went to uh, I went to college uh, for a couple of years, and um, and uh, to be really honest with you, my favorite subject was uh, sports. You know, I was a I was a jock, and uh, I was on the wrestling team, and I was a physical education major. Um, but as far as classrooms go, I loved biology. It was, it was things to know about the body, uh, things to understand, um, uh, the ability to learn a little bit more about myself and about um, the human structure. So I've, I'll say biology. Awesome. Thank you, Kalandra. Do you have any other questions? All right. She's muted. Um, I don't see any other hands right now. However, I do want to say something kind of funny. Um, so when we were writing this, when we were writing Carcerum, um, during the writing process, uh, we started we started calling this character um, Mongo because uh, we couldn't come up with a name. We were just sort of like throwing things out and we didn't know if it was a man or a woman yet or anything, but... We, we blazing saddles was a, a good friend of movie of mine and and uh, there's that character of mongo and we sort of realized that this character was kind of had mongo traits and stuff so we kept calling him mongo and again we didn't know if it was a guy or a girl but um we eventually uh bill knew carl and was like oh carl would be great in this and blah 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 but we'd need a real name so we ended up naming the character um Karis after Alex Karis who Carl said that he uh, who plays Mongo who Carl had mentioned earlier that he was a double for so for when Bill told him Carl just goes you know I I doubled that guy (laughs) we thought that was a pretty fun little thing and it's you know I so I I play this game with with listeners um and and we've done it on the show as well what we are picturing in our own head and I pictured Karis sort of as um, from The Princess Bride when Andre, I don't remember the actual character name in the movie, but the character that Andre the Giant played in The Princess Bride, that's kind of what I pictured Karis looking and kind of body movement and all that. That was the image that I had of Karis in my head. 
You know, that's that's the great thing about this this series Carcerum is that is that what we have in our head is much better than almost anything you can put on screen. And and so it lets our imagination take us where we want to go. And um, and, and that was such a great draw for me to be able to free me up to play that character. When when you heard the concept and all of that, was it, um, I'm trying to, intimidating? Because I, I know if I was moving into something like this, I'd, ha- I'd be thinking to myself, okay, what if they flop? What if it sounds really bad after, you know, after all is said and done? Um, you know, and again, knowing how good work that they've done in the past, but this was pretty ambitious. Yeah, uh, you, you know, um, I think that I think that Shane and Bill were very careful about the people that they hired, and and the intimidation for me came with knowing that I could I could pull out and uh, the character that they wanted, but being able to to do it episode after episode, being able to go from a kind of a giggly kind of guy to somebody who grunts to somebody who who sobs yes. effortlessly over his dead horse and and so um it was uh i i think what intimidated me the most is that is that the other actors are so good and yeah. and i just wanted to be on par with them um but again it it, it all starts at the top you know the the direction and and um, the uh, the finality of the direction is is what we as actors look for. And I got to tell you, you know, I've been in some spots in my stunt and acting career that um, that are unfamiliar. You know, I'm I'm not really I've never killed anybody, but I've I've played plenty of killers, and and so you you draw from what you know and and you you work as an actor from from the inside out and and it um it's it, it, if it's not a challenge it's not fun i've never asked anyone um who's been here yet but i'm kind of curious is there anything more freeing that it's that it's voice acting and where we don't have the whole physicality that we have to play with as well or is that actually a more unique challenge Wow, um, good question. Um, I uh, well, you know, if <laughs> if I was thirty five, I'll tell you that you know it's it's a, it's a whole different answer. But I'm not thirty five anymore. So the ability to be able to sit or stand and and do my acting from the neck up is um, is has been such a pleasure. Though Bill did come in the room and we we wrestled and fought and, and held each other and choked each other and, and did all those things. And then we started recording. And then, (laughs) um, you know, it's, it's, um, and, and take two wasn't so bad sometimes to where if you do that on a set and you're getting pummeled around, take two is a little bit more draining. Um, it was, it was very freeing for me to be able to do some voice acting. And and be able to pull characters out without 
needing to know that I stay, am I still in frame or, um, you know, am I, am I blowing out the sound guy or, you know, I, I, I thought it was very freeing as an actor to be able to do the voice work. Yeah. And I would imagine that the, you, you kind of alluded to it before the ability to, to take an arc of this kind of character you're alluding to, we're going to see other sides of Karis in future episodes. We're not spoiling anything, but I, I'm glad you said that. I would imagine the, the, the chance to evolve in a character is something that's not offered to you often in the way your career has been up to this point. Yeah, exactly. You know, like um, uh, I did an NCIS and I played a, a crazy man who, you know, I, I did strange and bad things and I, and I, uh, end up committing suicide but you know that's that's three days of that one part you don't really you know they tell the story but you don't really see the guy or hear the guy to, as an actor go through those stages um yeah. and and uh you know like i said earlier a lot of times you're there for a day or a week and uh you know you're you're turning a car over you're getting lit on fire or uh, you know, you're, you're getting killed eight or 10 times. And, and so uh, as an actor, you, you don't get, you don't get a chance to make that, that arc of a character. And, and I think that's the other thing that was very attractive as far as taking this role as, as Karis is to be able to, um, to um, show some chops. All right, so Shane, I'm going to ask you to do a hand check. Folks, we have a few more minutes with Carl. So if you're listening and you have a question, hit that Sunday edition Zoom link and pop your hand up. Uh, I will say one other thing that just from a story from the other side of the glass, um, when watching Carl record, um, Bill was was in the room and, and um, it, it, I think it was probably when Karis and Aura were having to fight and Aura jumps on Karis's back or something. I don't even, I don't remember. But Bill gets off and, and Carl, Carl is, is a big guy. I mean, and, but he's been doing stunts for a very long time. So Bill gets off, you know, from holding him. He's like, hey, you okay? You all right, man? And Carl just looks at him and goes, I'm not getting hit by a car. I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. You know, there, there are, um, there are other times where, you know, a, a few punches is nothing compared to a car hit. So, yeah. But, I mean, you guys heard the, not this episode, but episode 12, uh, you know, the emotional range that Carl brings. You yeah. Know, like a horse and everything. And, I mean, that's a different kind of exhaustion, I would imagine, for you, Carl. Well, it was, yeah, I mean, it was um, emotional exhaustion and, and, uh, I went through a couple of boxes of tissue from what I remember, because, you know, I'm very Italian. And so once, once it starts to go, it just keeps going. And, um, but, but it was so, um, it was so freeing to be able to, you know, release that and, and do it as an actor that, um, and that plays into the character and, and, and the scene. So uh, I love doing that. You know, you've said a couple of times in, in our talk tonight, the quality of the actors that you were going to get to, you know, play with, so to speak. Um, but I got to say, especially the last episode with the horse and your quality right up there with, with, with the rest of them. Um, 
So I, I know you felt you feel honored to have been, but you brought it on. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious that you're alluding to that there's actually more to see in the upcoming episodes. I, you know what? Thank you so very much for that. That's a that's all I can hope for. And um, I and I and I think in the upcoming episodes you'll you know, Karis is um, to me. Karis is one of those characters like um, like. Fonzie was, you know, you pop in, you do your deal, and you and you get out, but it sets the stage, and and you want to be able to, I wanted to be able to to do that, uh, and and I think um, that might be a learned process from being, you know, always being the bad guy's bad guy, you know, you, you set up the yeah. bad, and um, and, uh, and 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 again, Bill and Shane made me feel very comfortable with what I was doing. And, and all you can do as an actor is trust that. Uh, and, and, um, and hopefully you're not going to get a phone call that night that says you've been replaced. And so, <laughs> so um, we would I, never have replaced you, Carl. We are too scared of you. Yeah. <laughs> <had> a boy. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it was, uh, it was a great experience and, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to doing more if it comes up. So I have, an, I have one more question for you before we kind of wrap it up. If, if Shane, you know, were casting this and had come to me, I definitely would have wanted to play um, Volof. I think that's a cool character arc to kind of play. If you, if you were handed the script again and said, what character do you want to do? Is there another character you'd want to try to play? Oh, um... Yeah, I'm too big to do a wisp. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> it's audio, Carl. It's audio. <laughs> I um, no, you know what? I I, I love the Karis character. I, I love the backstory on it. I, I love the arc. I, I love the fact that you know Alex Karis and I were were friendly, and and um, I thought he was such a great guy. In fact, little. A little story about Alex Karras. He was a professional football player and, and he played for the Detroit Lions. He was an all pro uh, defensive uh, lineman. And um, I followed him since I was a kid. So when I played ball in high school and college, I took his number. And and um, when I doubled him on against all odds, uh, he and I got to sit down quite a few times and and. Uh, talk football and 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 it was an honor for me uh he was a hero of mine and so um to be able to play Karis, no matter how it comes out on car serum is is kind of near and dear to me and so i I'd, I'd like to stick with what i got that's really cool well thank you for sharing your time with us um i really appreciate your stories your candor it's been a really cool conversation i hope maybe you'll come back again before these series wraps up uh, you know what I'm, I'm a phone call away and and these guys have been so wonderful to me uh, uh even bill and uh <laughs> <laughs> and so okay. thank you thank you again so very much i, I hope this uh has reached uh, a lot of people and and um, anything else i can do for you guys i'm i'm good and carl we got to oh. get you back on the game shows too ready for that awesome 
All right, everyone, this has been In the Land of Aru with Sunday Edition, Shane Salt Productions. We'll be back same time next week. Thank you, Joey, for hosting. Thank you, Jeff, so much for being the man behind the scenes, running everything for us. And everybody have a great week. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description or search Carcerum, C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is a recording of a live show presented by the American Council for the Blind and Sunday Edition with Anthony. If you would like to be part of the live show, please follow at Carcerum the Series on social media or join the ACB mailing list by sending an email to community at acb.org. Also, be sure to check out the podcast Sunday Edition with Anthony on your favorite podcasting platform. For more information about Carcerum, go to carcerumtheseries.com.